We're going to be opening up uh, the Word this morning, which is always a good thing to do. So uh, take out your Bibles there at home. We're going to be opening up to Acts chapter 17. And we're going to be back in our series through the book of Acts after a timely word last week. Uh, the importance of anchoring into the prevailing promises of God and His purpose in this season, this word that Andrew brought. And this will help us to uh, keep us from operating from a place of fear, which of course narrows our focus and turns us against one another and instead helps us to operate from a place of faith and moving from a place of distraction to devotion. But we're jumping back in to the book of Acts. And we've actually felt to, to just spend a few weeks, a mini-series, uh, if you like, within the series, focusing on Paul's sermon uh, at the Areopagus here, sermon at Mars Hill, and just spending some time unpacking it a little bit, but particularly seeking to, to stir and remind our hearts of the priority of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and ensuring that that remains our focus and our mission. And so I'm going to pray to start with because uh, we need the Lord's help this morning. And uh, it's, him, it's, it's him that makes the difference, isn't it? And this morning, I really don't, don't want it just to be you there at home just watching some guy on a screen, but that there would be the touch of the Holy Spirit in your hearts and lives there and breathing life into the Word of God, that it would come alive in our hearts today. So, Father, I thank you that it is indeed you that makes the difference in our lives, Lord God. And I pray this morning that by your Spirit, you would touch hearts, uh, awaken our hearts to, to, to more of who you are. But Lord, we would hear your word today. God, that it would just uh, bring life and, Lord, your truth, your perspective, I pray. May we be a people, Lord, who lean into you and press into you at this time, Lord God, who hear and know what is on your heart. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, of course, a couple of weeks ago, we, we, we looked at this passage. Andrew touched on it a little bit. And we know that in, that in Athens, Paul was there and he was provoked in his spirit by the idolatry all around him. And we know that the people of Athens also, uh, they love just spending time doing nothing but hearing and telling something new. So there was a, a willingness, I guess, to, to hear the message that Paul came to proclaim. And this, this little sermon here is the most complete picture we have in Acts of how Paul proclaimed the gospel to the Gentiles. And I love just Paul's response, how in the midst of the idolatry, in the midst of all that was going on around, he continued to keep the focus upon Jesus. In verse 18 we read, he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. He wasn't put off by the darkness around him, getting caught up in it, but he, he saw the opportunity in the midst of all that was go, going on to proclaim the one who is the answer. And so for us, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of all the things that may be going on around us, there's a call for us to not get caught up in those issues, but the, to see the opportunity to focus on Jesus and proclaim the one who is the answer. So let's read together from verse 22 of Acts chapter 17. And it says, so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. 
For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. So we'll leave it there and we'll expand on it in in the coming weeks. But let's just take a moment, if we can, to put ourselves in the story here. We think about what, what it would have been like for Paul. He was there spending time in this city of Athens, looking around, seeing the, the idolatry all around him, provoked in his spirit at what was going on, examining and observing the objects of their worship. And just as a little aside here, it's not whether we will worship, of course, it's what we will worship. And it's neat, we need to be careful in our lives that, because there are things that can become objects of our worship that never should be. There is only one who should be the, the object and the focus and attention of our worship. And so Paul's wandering around, looking at all the stuff going on, wondering, you know, what's, what's my in? How can I present the gospel? How can I present the truth of who God is to these people who are lost and indifferent and ignorant? And so the launch pad for Paul in this story is this altar to the unknown God. And he uses this altar, this launch pad, he uses something that was kind of known or they were familiar with to reveal something that they weren't familiar with or aware of at that point, but to give them a clear picture of what God is like. As, you think, as we think about this altar to the unknown God, aren't you glad that we don't worship a God who is unknown? A God who is indifferent or distant? Because if we think for a moment about this particular monument or this altar that was set up, that was established as a place of worship to, to the God that they did not know, if, if, if you're worshiping an unknown God, where would you start How would you know where to start in your approach to this unknown God? How would you know what this unknown God is like? How would you know what pleases him? How would you know what what grieves this unknown God's heart? You'd be taking a stab in the dark so you wouldn't upset this God, right? Just like the people of Athens, the only reason they'd set up this altar was to ensure they didn't miss anyone. They They kind of covered all the bases. But you know, the good news is, God has gone to great length and described in great detail who he is, how we are to approach him, how we are to worship him, how we are to live our lives before him and in response to him. He is the God who has revealed himself through his word, by his precious Holy Spirit, through the gift of his son. He has revealed that he is a God of of holiness that he is a God of, of justice, that he is a God of faithfulness and of love 
and mercy and grace and that he is a God who desires relationship with his people and indeed is a God who can be known through the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, it says, What can be known about God is plain to them, is plain to those who would seek to suppress the truth. What can be known about God is plain, it's clear, it's right there in the open, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that we are without excuse. God is not an unknown God, but the God who has made himself known. And there's a particular purpose why he has made himself known. And I want to get there. That's where I want to head this morning to land at that place, this particular purpose. And to do that, I want to bring us two encouragements, two reminders, two calls, if you like, for us as God's people, as we consider this passage and consider its application for us today. First encouragement this morning, that there is a call for us to know him. There is a call for us to know him. And as Paul addresses uh, the men of Athens here, he starts with a compliment. It's a good place to start. He pumps up their tires a little bit, strokes the ego, says, "I, I perceive, it's clearly seen to me that in every way you are very religious. In every way you are very religious. Let's think about that for a moment. In every way, what does that look like? I kind of think it looks like in thought, in word, and in actions, in deed. And so we might read this passage and think, oh, they're very religious, there's idolatry happening all around. It's not like us. But you know, it can be easy to fall into this trap of religion, which is devoid of life, which is hard work, and which is away from true relationship. It can be easy to fall into the trap of being religious in every way. Maybe in our thoughts, an attitude of pride or hardness of heart or holier-than-thou kind of attitude that can creep in. It can be easy of falling into the trap of being religious in our words where we can become critical or cutting. We can say all the right things, but our hearts are far from it. It can be easy to fall into the trap of being religious in our actions, of, of ticking the boxes, of going through the motions, of doing our duty, of having a form of godliness, but denying with no power. But God is not interested in a people being religious. He's interested in having relationship with his people. Because when we're in relationship, when we are a, a people who know our God, it, it changes everything. It changes how we think. It changes how we speak. It changes how we live our lives before him. And so Paul begins in this place of seeking to make what was unknown to the people of Athens known. And so he describes the Lord, he describes God as the God, as the creator, the one who made the world and everything in it. He describes him as Lord of heaven and earth as the one who is sovereign and reigning. In verse 24 and 25, he says that he's not served by human hands. He's not, uh, he doesn't live in temples. He doesn't need anything from us. To put it another way, he's the one who cannot be limited to or reduced to fit within our 
minds or understanding or experience with our neat little package that we can put God in. He's the one who is sovereign and reigning, the Lord of heaven and earth. He describes him as the one who gives to all mankind, verse 25. He is the provider, the one who gives life and sustains and makes available to us everything that we need. And he describes God as the one who determines allotted periods and the boundaries of our existence. The one who reigns over the affairs of mankind, over the course of our lives, over the number of our days, over the boundaries of our existence. All this, we can ask, why is Paul painting this picture? And it's all, yes, so that there was some understanding and reference point for who this God is and what he is like. But it wasn't just for knowledge's sake, I want to proclaim to you today. It wasn't just so that the people of Athens could know about God. Another bit of knowledge to add to their already well-developed and inflated pride and intellect. It wasn't just so they could know about God. We live in a world where it's very easy to know about someone or to know about something, isn't it? We can just open up our browser, open up Google. We can type in, you know, how to do pretty much everything. How to build a shed, although, as I was chatting with Andrew during the week, he uh, was very pleased to inform me and he shared before that he didn't need instructions to build this shed. That's right, an amen here from the front row. We can look up how to do just about anything. And in, in my life, I've always been interested in, in finding out about uh, things, about people, about uh, things in history, about animals even. I can remember growing up and whenever we'd go to my grandparents' house, I'd go straight to the encyclopedia set that they had and open up the D book, D encyclopedia. And now, encyclopedias for those born after kind of 2005 or thereabouts it's kind of like Google, except it's a book, and you have to do the work to look up what you want to find out. But I used to look and read up all about uh, dogs. That was my passion growing up, finding out all the different breeds and species, what they were like. But until you actually get a dog for yourself, you don't, you don't know what it's actually like, right? As I've got older, I, I love searching and, and just finding out about people, whether it's sports people, whether it's actors, whether it's prime ministers, world leaders, historical figures, people in ministry. There's just something I, I, I like finding out about those kind of things. And it's easy, isn't it? We can search and find where, where someone is born, where they grew up, what their careers have been like. We can find out as we search on the internet um, their relationship status. But, you know, while that helps us know about them, we cannot truly know someone unless we have relationship with them. That's where we might find out about what really makes them tick, what they really like and dislike, their passions. It's not just knowing about someone, which we can find that anywhere, but actually knowing someone is the key. It's the same in our walks with God, in our lives of faith. And so Paul here, he preaches and presents God. He describes and expounds on what he is like, the creator the sustainer, the provider, sovereign and at work in the affairs of men, 
The purpose being not just so that the people of Athens would know about him, and that be the end of the story, but he gives the purpose, he gives the, the killer blow, the punchline, if you like, in verse 27, so that mankind should seek God, perhaps feel their way towards him, and find him. God's whole purpose in creating and sustaining, providing life and breath and everything in determining the times and seasons, the boundaries of our existence, is this invitation that we should seek God, that we would find him, that we would know him and be in relationship with him. That's his heart and purpose, and it's our call and respond and, and privilege to respond to that invitation, to know him. To know him. It's a little bit like the game of hide and seek, which I love playing with my kids, and I know they're watching at home today, but I love playing hide and seek with my children. And uh, as I go and they count and as I hide from them, there's a delight and a joy for me as their father uh, in being found by them. Not just kind of being cruel and just hiding away in a spot that they're never going to find me. I love it to, to, to leave a trail, to leave enough clues for them to seek me, to feel their way or to listen their way towards where I'm hiding and to be able to find me. And I, I take great joy in my children finding me when we're playing hide and seek and the, and the, the joy that they have in, in seeking out and finding me in that game of hide and seek. And so it is with our, our God, this delight that he has as we seek him, as we feel our way towards him and find him and know him and come into relationship with him. And as we consider this God who desires relationship with us, it should lead us to a place of glorious wonder that this God who is God and Lord of all and creator and sustainer, who is completely sufficient or doesn't need anything from human hands, yet he desires to be known by us, to have relationship with his people. It echoes what it says in, in Psalm chapter 8, which I was reflecting on this week. It starts off with, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You are God, you are glorious, you are majestic. And the psalmist goes on to write, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you care for him? Yet he does, and he does desire relationship with us. He's longing for us to draw near, to come close, to come back, to open up our hearts. He's even set the table. He's even given the directions how to come to that place of relationship. And he's even paid the great cost so we could come through the precious gift of his son, Jesus. And it's in Jesus and it's through Jesus and it's because of Jesus that we can have right relationship with God, that we can know him. It's through faith in the Lord Jesus and through his death and his resurrection that we can draw near to God that we can know him, that we can have the, the distance that can be between us, the sin that separates us, dealt with. I want to say to you, to each of us today, that there is nothing more important or significant or urgent than knowing him, than knowing him. The second encouragement as we bring this to a close this morning, as we consider the significance of Paul's sermon and the ramifications for us, 
Of course, there's a call for us to know him. But the second thing this morning, there is a call for us to proclaim him. To proclaim him. And of course, he begins with making the unknown known. And I love what he says. To the, he says, what you therefore worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. This I proclaim to you. And I love this because proclaim, this word means to, to declare openly, to make known, to publish widely. And it's like he's saying, this one that you are ignorant about, this one that you've set up an altar to, but you don't know, this God I proclaim to you. No frills, no bells and whistles, no fancy stuff, just proclaiming him. And our lives will proclaim something. Our lives will proclaim something. Remember, to proclaim means to declare, to make known, to publish widely. And at times our lives can declare what's most important to us, what's most important where we spend our time, our focus and our energy and attention. Our lives at times will make known our displeasure at someone or something, won't they? Our lives at times will publish widely and proclaim our views or our opinions. But this morning, a challenge for each one of us, including myself in this, are our lives proclaiming him? Are our lives proclaiming him? Could we say, as Paul did, this God I proclaim to you, this God who is creator, sustainer, the one who draws us and desires relationship with us, knowing that this God desires relationship with us, desires us to know him, are our lives then proclaiming him? Because in a world where there is indifference and ignorance and all sorts of ideas about what God is like, we have an opportunity and a call as his people to proclaim this God who has made himself known. Just like Paul did in the way that we live, in the way that we speak, and in every other way as well. Can we grab hold of the bigger picture this morning? The bigger issues than what may currently be before us. That there is a world that needs to know this God who has made himself known. This one whose arms are open wide. And could we be a people who draw near and who continue to draw near to be a people who know their God. And as we rest secure in relationship with him, then proclaim this God to those around us. I'm going to invite Andrew just to, to come back up as we finish our service this morning. That's the call, that there is a call for us to know him, an invitation, the purpose in God, revealing himself, making, sustaining, giving us all that we need, is that we may seek him and find and know him. And as well, there is a call for us to proclaim him. So this morning, as we bring our time together to a close, I just want to leave just a little bit of space, really, for the Holy Spirit to move and to minister. I really believe that he's not limited by technology or by time or by space between us. And uh, I understand that 
in your homes today, people with kids and various other distractions, I understand that. Hang in there, bless you this morning. But if you're able to, let's just take a moment just to focus our hearts, our attention upon the Lord. So we don't just want to kind of do church and walk away just as if we were here gathered together. We want to leave room for the Lord just to touch our hearts. So if you're able to, just wherever you're tuning in from, you might like to just take a moment. Open up your hands. Just focus your attention upon the Lord. to just just even pray and say, Holy Spirit, I just welcome you here right now. Holy Spirit, I welcome you here in this place. I ask right now in every home and everywhere people are tuning in from this day that, Lord, your presence would be known. You, Lord, the one who has made yourself known. Even now, God, would you draw near? I pray this morning that, Lord, you would just bring your encouragement, Lord, where that is needed. I pray this morning that you would lift off shame. those who may be wrestling and struggling with shame I feel this morning God you would lift their heads but Lord you would remind them that your arms are open wide Lord for those who feel alone I pray that you would draw near today they would know that you are with them, God. Thank you. Of course, I don't know where everyone is at this morning, where you're at with the Lord, but it would be remiss of me to, to miss this opportunity. Because knowing God, as we've been talking about this morning, having a relationship with Him, it starts with a relationship. Jesus. It starts with recognizing that you can't make it on your own. You can't strive and, and put in a whole lot of effort and ability to measure up. But that sin has put up a barrier, a divide, a separation between us and God. But the good news this morning, the good news of the gospel is that there is life, there is freedom, there is hope, there is forgiveness from our sin. Lord Jesus, as we repent, as we turn away from our old way, we turn to the Lord. As we receive this free gift, and as we welcome and invite Jesus to be our Savior and our Lord, our Savior for our sin, but also the Lord of our life, that we give up control, that we yield to His Lordship.
Jesus. He wants to come to lead us. Bring his peace, bring his life, bring his freedom. There's nothing more important than knowing him. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul, as he was writing, was reflecting on all the, the things, all the reasons that he had to boast or to be confident in himself. He was well-educated, that he was, you know, of the right birth, and passionate, zealous, and all those things. But as he encountered Jesus, came to know Jesus, he came to this point where, you know, none of those things mattered anymore. He came to this point where he wrote, whatever gain I had, I, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth, surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So if you're in that place today where you know you need to get your life right with God, where you want to begin a relationship with the living God through Jesus, I would just invite you in your home, right where you're at, to just come as simply and as humbly as you can before the Lord, to acknowledge who He is, to confess and repent of sin, to bring those things before Him. Ask Him to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Ask Him to help you to live your life for Him, following Him. And if if you're in that place today and you're wanting to to say yes to Jesus, we'd love to hear from you, whether it's through Facebook feed or whether it's just through the the, the email, hello at visionchurch.org.au, because we'd love to just celebrate with you. We'd love to partner with you and come alongside you and encourage you in that decision you've made. Just before we finish this morning, I feel the Lord wants to minister in a couple of other areas as well. And uh, just what I've had on my heart is out of Exodus chapter 33, the cry of Moses, where he says, show me your ways that I may know you. Show me your ways. Show me who you are, God, that I may know you more. And I feel there may be people tuning in this morning who you have a longing in your heart to know the Lord more and more in a deeper way, to not just have him at arm's length, not just know about him, but to know him more and more and more. To have, I guess, even just that that fresh passion and fire in your heart for the Lord. So I want to pray for you as well, if that's okay. So if you're in that position, just... Receive from the Lord. And I pray today, God, for those who are tuning in, Lord, who just are in that place of just having a longing and a yearning in their hearts to to go deeper, Lord, to know you more. I pray this day that this would be like a line in the sand moment, Lord God. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would stir a fresh passion and fire in their hearts, Lord, to know you more, God. And I pray that even in this coming week, Lord, there would just be a, a shift and a change, Lord God, where they would know your presence more and more, Lord God. And there would be a hunger stirred in a deeper way, Lord, that that would be the cry of our hearts. And show me your way. Show me who you are, that we would know you, Lord God. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in hearts and lives today. And just finally, one more thing. Perhaps you've hardened your heart or you've turned away from the Lord or you've 
you know, maybe just, uh, just put up a barrier or some distance between you and God. You know all about him, but there's a disappointment or hurt or whatever it might be, busyness of life, just kind of drifted away. Well, I want to encourage you today that just like the story of the prodigal son we read in Luke 15, that God's arms are open wide and he longs for you to return. There's an invitation for you today to come back to the Father, to come back to him. His arms are open wide. So I'll pray and then we'll finish up today. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we've had this morning to worship, to to focus our hearts upon you, to hear from your word. Thank you that you are the God who has made yourself known. You desire a relationship with us, your people. And I pray, Lord, that we would draw near to you. I pray that we would be a people who know who their God is, Lord, and a people who proclaim who you are in every way, Lord, in word, in deed, in everything, God, to the world around us. I pray, Lord, that our perspective would be right, our focus would be upon you. I pray that as we go into this new week, Lord, we would do so with a sense of faith and expectancy hope and joy and a deeper longing for you, Lord God. I bless each and every person who's watching this this morning with your love, with your grace, with your presence, with your power, Lord God. And uh, we honor you and we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this day got plenty of opportunity during the week to connect with with, uh, prayer meetings, Wednesday lunchtime, Friday morning, and uh, we look forward to to gathering together again next Sunday, women's as well on Tuesday, I shouldn't forget that, and for those who might like to join in on the newcomers Zoom, that'll be happening shortly, about 10 or 15 minutes time, so I hope to see you then, God bless you today.